I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And a good Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Healthy Matters. And, of course, as usual, you are welcome to join in on the conversation, uh, either by phone or by text, 651-989-9226. We'll get you in either a phone call or a text messages. Uh, good morning to you, Dr. Hilden. How was your week? Good morning, Denny, and good morning all. It's been a good week, uh, both at home and at the hospital. Uh, things are kind of stable. They're not stable at a great place, but they're stable, at least with regards to COVID. But we're we're doing okay. We have enough beds for people, and we have enough equipment. Uh, we just continue to see quite a few cases, so that's, that's good. I've been trying yeah. to I've been, like many others, trying to find ways to stay active during this uh, this pandemic. It's not so easy, is it? No, it's not. And I, I have to say, on a lighter note, last night my wife Sandy said, I just saw Dr. Hilden at the Twins game. I said, you did not. She showed I was me a, there. She showed me a picture. <laughs> you were there in did spirit. Did Danny see my picture, Denny? <laughs> yes. I said, you're right. There he is. <laughs> I'm one of those cutouts. You know, you got to yes. hand it to the Twins. Uh, an organization I really like. Um, I, I, go, I like to go to the Twins games. And, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm sitting behind third the dugout, the third base dugout. <laughs> I'm one of those cutout faces. So it's, it's really funny. It's, you know, you'll, I like to watch the Twins anyways, but now I actually watch when the, when the cameras go off to the stands a little bit to see if you can see my silly face out there. They have a couple of thousand of them, I think. And, and, oh, it's and pretty really crowded, funny. yeah. Pretty crowded. It, is, it is funny. It is really funny. I heard you can still get one in maybe another day or so if you want to get your face in the stands at Target Field. It, it's great for jokes, saying, "Yeah, I was at the game, but you know, um, and I didn't even spill my popcorn and things like that." It's, <laughs> it's great. For, it's great for jokes. <laughs> well, we have uh, a, a big show today. A very interesting show, and you have a very interesting uh, guest. Uh, and again, inviting our listeners to join in. But uh, we've got some good information straight ahead, don't we? Indeed, we do. And um, I have Dr. Ann Frosch on the show today, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go to um, uh, Dr. Frosch in a second. Um, and we're going to talk about a topic that I get asked a lot about and I don't have usually great answers for because this isn't my area. And, and, but I get asked a lot about what is the research into COVID-19, what kind of new therapies are down the road. And very specifically, I get asked a lot about antibodies. And um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I will I will tell you a little bit more about Anne. But first of all, Dr. Frosch, welcome to the show. Thank you for getting up on a Sunday morning and being with us today. Oh, no problem. Thank you both so much for this opportunity. It's been a real unprecedented time for for us in infectious disease research. So it's it's exciting to be able to share that with you. Yeah, it really has. You know, 
Um, infectious, you know, I remember it was somebody said about 20, 30, 40 years ago, you know, this is literally decades ago, but there's, there's no, going to be no more need for infectious disease experts because we got it all figured out. We got rid of all the bugs. We got rid of all the diseases. And here you guys are as probably the number one specialist in medicine who's relevant now to the care of COVID-19. You are really, truly doing the most basic research on how to fight this brand new thing. Yeah. And one of the reasons I went into infectious diseases is that these organisms change. And so from, from year to year and decade to decade, our field really transforms, and it's an exciting part and sometimes a very stressful aspect of what we do. <laughs> Let me just tell listeners, if I could, um, a little bit about where you're from, um, that I'll just um, read off your bio. But then I'm going to ask you a little bit to tell us about how you got into the research that you're doing. So first of all, listeners, Dr. Ann Frosch, she's an infectious disease physician. She um, did med school right here in Minnesota down the road a bit at Mayo and in Rochester. And then she completed, she's also completed a Master of Public Health at Johns Hopkins University, just a little school out east in Baltimore. And I'm kidding, one of the best schools in the country. <laughs> and then she did her residency at the University of Maryland Medical Center, also in Baltimore. And then fortunately for all of us, she came back to Minnesota to do her infectious disease fellowship here at the University of Minnesota. And now she's at Hennepin Healthcare, where she conducts translational research through the, uh, our research institute. We have a great research institute called the Hennepin Healthcare Research Institute. And her focus had been studying and has been studying malaria, which I'm going to ask you about in a little bit, but now have been launching a program in, on immune-based therapies, in other words, antibodies. So that is my kind of high-level um, uh, take on what you've done. Tell us a little bit more, if you could, Anne, about what kind of work you're doing related, first of all, about what you're doing on COVID. And then if you could give us just a sentence or two about what you've done on malaria, because that's interesting as well. Yeah. Um, so in terms of COVID, um, you know, I had not much history in virology. I am an HIV physician, so I have a little bit of clinical experience in that. But basically, um, our research group has kind of uh, retooled everything that we do so that we can um, kind of assist in the effect, uh, effort to, to learn more about this virus, but also expand uh, all these experimental therapies to our patients for those who are interested in it. Um, my my history is really in, in research, as, as you mentioned, in malaria. I When I was out at University of Maryland, I just met some really in, um, inspirational researchers that were doing work in this field. And so that's kind of how I, I started that. But it's it's very it's been very interesting coming to Hennepin because it, it's actually a considerable problem for our travelers in our community. There's a lot of patients that have that pick up malaria whether they're traveling internationally. So that's one of the areas that I've been trying to research uh, at at Hennepin. So in your career, you go big. You're, you've looked at I would say three of the. Uh, if you just add tuberculosis, you'll have the four biggest things in the world. You have <laughs> HIV, you have malaria, and you have COVID. All with some expertise in in those three areas. So, what kind of what are you doing with? Tell us. Um, and Denny, just cut me off if we have to go to a break. Sure. <laughs> cut us off. <laughs> but tell us what what is the latest on the research you're doing with COVID? I understand you're doing convalescent plasma research. Yeah. So our group is really focused. Um, we have this immune based therapy program that we have started. Me and Dr. Jason Baker with the 
great support of the leadership, both at Hennepin Healthcare, but also at the research institute you mentioned. Um, and basically, our focus is trying, our preliminary focus has been trying to get access to some of these immune-based therapies for our patients. You know, our program really um, kicked off with starting a, a trial in, of remdesivir. So very early on in the, the pandemic, we were able to get that therapy to our patients, which really has become standard um, in care now. And the second big pillar of that access to uh, therapies is the convalescent plasma program that you mentioned. And so this is when we give patients uh, the, the liquid-based portion of, of blood from someone that's recovered from uh, COVID-19 with the hopes that the antibodies that that patient uh, developed in their immune response to COVID might be able to help a patient who is currently fighting the disease. So those are the two main things that we've done in order to get patients access to therapy. But now we're starting new initiatives, trying to contribute uh, back to our understanding of how this, how to treat this disease. We have clinical trials going on in some of these immune-based therapies, these antibody-based therapies that you mentioned. So whether or not it's it's enriched products for from humans exposed, so we know exactly how much antibody patients will get, or these, you know, you may have heard about in the news monoclonal antibodies. That's something that has made it into some of the news stories. These engineered antibodies that we know neutralize the virus. And neutralize is just kind of a fancy way of saying that it, it keeps that virus from entering into a, uh, a patient's cells. Hey, well, let's uh, take this moment for, uh, for a quick break. And uh, again, we'll invite our listeners to join in on the conversation shortly. 651-989-9226. Healthy Matters underway here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. We're talking COVID research this morning, and we'll get our listeners involved in uh, just a moment. But let's uh, get back to Dr. Hilden and his guest. All right. Thank you, Denny. We're talking to Dr. Ann Frosch about research today. Specifically, we're going to talk a little bit more about antibodies. And I'd like to go there next, if we could, because this question comes up a whole bunch. Could you explain to us, Dr. Frosch, what's an antibody and why do we care? <laughs> yeah. So antibodies are just um, kind of the most uh, advanced way our body learns to fight and neutralize infections that come into the body. So it's a protein that our body uh, learns to make, and it does so um, by exposure to a virus uh, or or some sort of other immune um, stimulus. So when we think about vaccines, vaccines, all the vaccines that are out there today basically teach your body how to make this specialized protein that will bind and neutralize the virus, or sometimes the antibodies will bind uh, a pathogen and help your, your immune system clear it. So that's a basic so if, understanding of what the antibodies are. So if, if this novel coronavirus really wasn't around on planet Earth until late 2019, six, eight months ago, nobody's body has an antibody in it. How do we, how do we learn? How does our body learn to, to develop the right kind of antibodies? Well, we can learn one of two ways. Generally, the, the, the way we traditionally think about it is you have an exposure to a virus, and then that, with time, your, your body learns to, to fight it. And usually those antibodies start to appear on the order of a week to, to two weeks after the initial exposure to it. Um, ideally, though, it, we will be able to come up with a vaccine that is able to teach someone's immune system to fight that virus before they ever have to even experience it. So that's the other main way that we develop experience to a particular infection um, through vaccination. 
So in your um, research, which I know is, is this is new research, it's only been going on, what, a month or two? Uh, are you finding that the people who get COVID-19 are developing antibodies? Uh, yes. Um, so this is uh, just outside the scope of our research, but even in the clinical tests that we're doing, we are we're now able to do, along with a lot of other healthcare systems, uh, tests to see whether or not the immune system has seen it. These antibody tests, and yes, even the patients that are what what you might think are relatively early in disease are hospitalized with some of the consequences. It's very common to see antibodies in these individuals as their immune system starts to develop its own tools to fight and clear the virus. So I get this a lot on the show over the last several months then is that should people, is it one, worthwhile for people to get an antibody test for just themselves? And then two, I want to ask you, how can people who have recovered from it help in the research or help others who might get sick with convalescent plasma? Yeah, that first question is a very difficult question. I find it's very difficult even for um, our physician colleagues, because um, much of, of the antibody testing that we do in medicine has been um, very heavily researched before really deploying it. So we oftentimes, for other infections, will check on antibodies that we know will tell us that that patient is perfect or per- protected from a subsequent infection. So um, the, the answer to your question about whether or not someone should get an antibody test is really the question is whether, what that information is going to tell you. So if someone has a positive antibody test, and we and that and this is done with a test that's a high quality test, that might be a good indication that that person has previously been exposed to coronavirus. But yet we don't yet have the science to tell us whether or not that antibody that we're measuring is going to protect you down the line. So that I think is one of the major gaps in knowledge. So uh, I have ordered antibody tests on my patients when the question is, is it, have I previously been infected? But um, we have to be really circumspect at this particular point to say that we think our patients are are not at risk for getting a subsequent infection. We just don't have that information yet. Yeah, and before you get on to the second part, which is about you know plasma uh, to treat um, people with the, the convalescent plasma, um, I think that that is the key point that I've tried to say over the months to people who ask is that you may have, it's relatively straightforward to find out if you actually have antibodies, but we simply don't know how long they last or how effective they are or what level of immunity you get. And our, I know your research is about convalescent plasma, but are we... Uh, is there active research going on in the country to, uh, about that question? Is about how long does your immunity last? Yeah, this is a, a really hot topic in research, and it really it, it kind of sits right at the intersection of both understanding how do we treat people that have or understands people immunity who have been exposed, but also vaccines. You know, one of the major things we look for in any infection is can these what we call correlates of infection, and so. Both do you have an antibody that we think is protective, but also what level of antibody do you need to know that if you're exposed to the infection in the future, um, that you'll be protected? And so both vaccine research and our understanding of people's immunity once they've been infected, that is one of the real kind of questions that we're hitting on. Some people may have heard of this protein called spike protein. It sometimes makes it into the news. Um, I, I'm so enmeshed in research, so sometimes I don't get to hear enough <laughs> news about all this stuff. But, um, but this is that protein that, that the virus used to, to get into cells. And so the, the, the 
the early research suggests that antibodies to that particular protein might be the critical antibodies in protecting people from getting infected down the line. Yeah, I have read and heard a little bit about that. I kind of, you know, and I, I always go to very simple metaphors. And I always think of that spike. It's sort of like the drill bits that the that the virus is using to get into the cells. And and um, uh, and and people ask all the time about that one. So that one's fascinating to me. But what about the other part of that? That is, if I have antibodies because I recovered from COVID, do my antibodies help somebody else if I donate them? That that is um, uh, also a really good question, and I think that there there is promising evidence that that's the case. So, as you said, one of my main areas of interest right now is this convalescent plasma program. Program um, that donating that those antibodies to people who are recovering. Um, so, in the last few weeks, um, uh, we've heard some preliminary uh, data about all of this. Your your listeners may know that that Mayo has really been at the forefront of this. They have this expanded access program where basically physicians around the country can use their, their protocol in order to give patients this. And they have made some early um, uh, data analyses suggesting that this is a safe therapy. We have just a ton of experience giving plasma to patients. You know that, Dr. Hilden, from all your clinical mm-hmm. work. Yep. And that also that they're, they are seeing that when they test, uh, when they look at the level of antibodies in these convalescent plasma units, that those pa- patients that, that get units that have higher levels of antibodies seem to have better outcomes. So that's some, some very interesting preliminary research that, you know, obviously we want to have more definitive cl- randomized clinical trials to show us that this therapy is working. But I think it is, it is definitely promising. So, uh, listeners, we're talking to Dr. Ann Frosch, and this one, I actually just uh, uh, love this conversation because I, cause the, the public needs to know about how science works, and because it's the scientists, um, everybody, who are going to help us out in the long run here. It is those who are developing vaccines, those who are developing therapies, those who are going to help get us out of this pandemic. And so that's what we're talking about this morning with Dr. Ann Frosch. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back at the second half of the show. We have more to talk about. We'll listen to your calls as well. Very good. As we head to this break, let me give you our phone number and text number. It's the same, 651 651- Nine eight nine nine two two six. We'll have a look at that forecast coming up straight ahead here on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. And welcome back to Healthy Matters. Uh, before we throw it back to Doctor Hilden and his guests, let me give you our uh, phone number and text number six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Again, it's the same number for your phone calls or text messages for the doctors six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. And here once again is your host, Doctor David Hilden. Good morning, everybody. If you are just joining us, thank you for tuning in. And and uh, we are going to continue our conversation with Dr. Ann Frosch, who is an infectious disease physician at Hennepin Healthcare. She is also um, heavily involved in our uh, research institute and doing uh, COVID-19 research. Um, before we get back to our conversation, I just want to alert you to a couple of things. First of all, uh, Many people are asking lots of questions about, should I be getting my vaccines? And what about my children? And what about my preventive health care? And, and we're really concerned about that at Hennepin. So we're doing a few things to help you out with that. First of all, if you want um, reliable COVID information, go straight to hennepinhealthcare.org. That's our main site. It's just all one word. 
hennepinhealthcare.org. There's a link in a, um, to get all, all your questions answered about COVID-19, about testing, about symptoms, about treatment, and lots of other topics. So that's one place I want to direct you, hennepinhealthcare.org. And the second is, is specifically about your children. Um, there have been a plummeting, basically, of childhood vaccinations. And this is of a, 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 some real concern now. And, and so if you are a parent of a child, getting your kids regular vaccinations are so important to help out with that. We have developed a unique program called the Pediatric Vaccine Mobile Program, where we actually come out to families' homes um, and to give vaccines where they are so you don't have to go into the clinic even. So reach out to your child's healthcare team if you are interested in that program. There's more about that at, at our blog site, That's and that's at Here for Life. That's also one word, Here for Life. Um, and... Uh, and you can read more about our pediatric um, um, mobile vaccine program. That's of a big concern to me and to my uh, colleagues who care for children, is how are you going to get your vaccines? Because those are incredibly important. What we don't need is to see a resurgence of measles and other um, uh, um, viral illnesses and other vaccine-preventable illnesses. So learn more about that at uh, hereforlife.blog. Okay, back to COVID-19. And I'm talking to Dr. Ann Frosch, who is a researcher in uh, specifically, I want to talk about convalescent plasma a little bit more before we go to a couple of uh, your calls via the text and phone line. And tell us a little bit about how what your study is looking at. Uh, first of all, tell us what is convalescent plasma? What the heck does that mean? And what are you studying um, with regard to that? Yeah, so convalescent plasma is basically the liquid portion of the blood taken from someone who is, when we say convalescent, we basically mean that they're in the recovery phase of some sort of illness, in this case, COVID-19. And so that's, it's, it's donating plasma to a patient who is fighting um, uh, uh, COVID-19 in hopes that, that in that liquid component, there are antibodies that can help them uh, fight off that virus. Um, what we are specifically looking at is um, we are trying to understand the impact that some of these, all these different early therapies that we do to try and help our patients in the hospitals um, make it through their severe COVID illness. My interest is looking at how these therapies affect their long-term immune response. So down the line, we can understand whether some of these early interventions um, meant that saving their lives um, it, it interfere with uh, having a really strong immune um, uh, response to the virus. For example, if we give you the antibodies of someone else, does that somehow interfere with you developing your own antibodies? Um, these are really kind of academic questions, but I do think that down the line, they may help inform whether how we treat our, our recovered patients. Do they need to have different approaches to vaccination? Uh, things along those lines. So that that's my particular interest within our, our immune-based therapy program. So that's an interesting question because um, if I if I donate my my plasma to you and my plasma is supposedly full of antibodies because I had COVID, the first question is do my antibodies protect you? But then what you're suggesting is that you're you're asking if if you have my antibodies, are you, is that going to prevent your own from developing? Is that what you're saying? Exactly, that's the question. Um, and not only are, are antibody therapies, but you know you, uh, you may have heard about um, all of the the immune therapies that we do, things like steroids, other advanced therapeutics that are meant to calm down the immune system, do they have an effect on, on long-term antibody responses as well? Um, 
that's so that's our little kind of niche area of interest within within this larger area of research. Can I ask you one question, Anne, about about research in general? Because this this pandemic pretty much dominates ninety nine and a half percent of the news for the last five months, and so what we're seeing is a lot of research studies and data coming out in rapid fashion. And some of it doesn't pan out and some of it does. And so people are starting to, um, I th- I liken it to people are seeing science happening in real time. Whereas when there's not such publicity over something, we tend to, scientists are methodical and they're data-based and they release their information when it's been peer-reviewed and when it's been vetted and when they're fairly confident about it. But now things are coming out so rapidly that I think it's almost like people are getting skeptical of science because they think that we keep coming out with information that changes when in reality that's how science works you know you, you we we change based on new information what are your thoughts about how the public is being communicated to if you will about the all these exciting scientific things in real time does that make sense what i'm trying to ask oh yeah absolutely and i mean it's been just uh, an unbelievable time for science in kind of the public domain. You know, in some ways, we, we always talk about we're living in a time in which we're, we're worried that science is under assault. Um, but my ex- personal experience with people in this, um, this pandemic is I, it's really impressive how much people are engaged in, in research than ever before. You know, for example, you know, I've been doing research for over 10 years, and I had a difficult time getting my mother, who's a teacher, that interested in the details of my science. But now she calls me up. She's like, I heard there's a new T-cell study in COVID. Can you tell me more about that? So in some ways, I love it. Um, but I think you're right. I, I, it's, a, it's a little bit of one of those uh, people are really seeing the way the scientific process plays out. And usually we are able to do it in a more methodical way over or sometimes decades, you know, before we know that a therapy is a therapy that we're ready to bring to prime time. I mean, unfortunately, we're just in a situation right now that um, that our patients need everything we can give them now. And so oftentimes all of these things are being done in parallel. You know, I think that vaccine development is a really good example of that. Um, Normally in a vaccine when a vaccine is developed, we spend a lot of time looking at um, just trying to understand the, the pathogen, the immune system, goes then very slowly to these preclinical types of studies, looking at animal models, making sure that we understand all of this. And then very safety studies, efficacy studies, all those things. Whereas a lot of this stuff is happening in parallel now because we need to be determining that things are safe at the same time that we're evaluating whether they're effective so that we can get these out to patients in a, in a, a really quick manner, but in a way that we still are sure that, that we're, we're protecting the safety of our patients. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that so much. And I, I too, I'm trying to each and every week on this show, get out data and information that's trustworthy at the same time, timely. And I know that it's so hard for us all to do. Um, we're going to spend a little time talking to some listeners. I know we have a call or two and we have some text messages. Denny, how are we doing with time? Let's uh, tell you what, if you'd like to grab a call before we take a break, let's do that. Uh, Randy, I believe, is calling in from Rochester, Minnesota. Randy, you're on Healthy Matters. What is your question, please? Yes. Hi, good morning. Uh, Question about uh, vaccines. Um, As an example, if vaccine A 
comes uh, comes around and it's only 50% effective and uh, you take it. And uh, a few months down the line, another vaccine comes out that's much more effective. Can you then retake that vaccine as well? I'm going to leave that one to Dr. Frosch. Thank you for your call, Randy. <laughs> well, uh, the, the truth is it really depends on the situation, and it will depend on the vaccines. But I, I think it is very likely that we'll be in a scenario with where maybe our most advanced candidate for vaccination um, is not as effective as some of the, the vaccines that developed down the line in a pursuit of getting things done, you know, out quickly. Um, my prediction will be there is that people will be able to have um, a, the, the new version of the vaccine. Um, the timing of that, of course, I, I couldn't speak to right now. Um, but just as you get a yearly uh, influenza vaccine and that they're slightly modified to target whatever uh, virus is circulating, um, I would imagine that we would be able to to uh, boost with a, a different vaccine down the line that has a higher level of efficacy. But more to come. Randy, on that. thank Randy, thank you for that call. And and if I could give you a follow up to that, um, what what is there a level of efficacy of a vaccine that we're shooting for? And I know you're not a vaccine researcher, but you know, yeah. not vaccines aren't 100 percent effective. None of them are. Exactly. Well, I think what uh, you know, much of what we're aiming for here is not only an, uh, the efficacy of the vaccine in the individual, but also the efficacy of the vaccine in the population. You know, the so-called herd immunity. So, uh, my, having listened to a lot of lectures about vaccines, uh, I think what is being aimed for is a vac uh, having seventy percent of patients immune to to the virus. Um, to prevent the community transmission that we're looking at based on how infectious this virus is. And so that, that could be 100% of people taking a, a, a vaccine that's 70% um, effective, or maybe if we have a vaccine that's 70% effective, that means 100% uh, of people are taking it. Did I, did I say that right? <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you mean. 70% of the population needs to be immune one way or the other. <laughs> exactly. Or through previous exposure, if we find that that's long-lasting immunity. So uh, my understanding is that the, the, the FDA is willing to um, uh, approve a safe vaccine that is 50% effective. That's their target goal. Because even if we're not, you know, we don't have in the first, the initial design, a really highly efficacious vaccine, having something that can to, to protect 50% of people that get it is a really valuable tool regardless. Right. Perfect doesn't have to be the enemy of the very good. You know, that's exactly. what we always have to remember. We need something very good. We don't need something that's perfect. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to um, we're talking with Dr. Ann Frosch, an infectious disease specialist and researcher about COVID-19. I think we're going to take a short break and then we'll get back to your texts and calls. Very good. And here's the number to either phone in or text in your question. 651-989-9226. We'll be right back with more Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning. We're talking about COVID research uh, this morning. And doctors, we do have uh, some great uh, text messages. I don't want to forget our texters either. Uh, if I can just grab a couple here before we run out of time. Um, here's one that says, I know two 20 to 25-year-old adults who were diagnosed recently with ARDS, and maybe you can explain what that is. Neither tested positive for the COVID virus. Both were on ventilators. 
for at least three weeks. One survived, one did not. Is there, the question is, is there a mutation of COVID that's not being caught with the current testing? Okay. Um, ARDS, first of all, I'll start with that and then, then hand it over to Dr. Frosch for her, her perspective. ARDS stands for Acute Respiratory Distress Syndrome, and it is sort of the very severe complication of COVID. It's a condition that can happen with other respiratory um, um, conditions as well, but it's a, a life-threatening um, condition, sort of the end stage of COVID that puts you on a ventilator um, and to try to support you through it. That's what ARDS is. And can you comment about why somebody, these young adults, were perhaps getting ARDS with a negative COVID test? Yeah, I, I, I'm not aware of uh, different different places use different t- testing platforms, but my understanding is that um, they're pretty reliable. I'm not aware of any sort of mutation that's made the testing that we currently exist not work. The one thing I will, the, the kind of caveat I'll say to that is there are a lot of causes of ARDS, um, and one of the the warnings that the MDH recently put out is, especially in young adults, we are still seeing people coming in with things like vaping lung injury. Um, I, I guess the, the, in terms of the management of these patients, uh, our pulmonologists and our critical care doctors have been really amazing in, in, in applying what they know from other diseases to COVID-19. And so much of the, the COVID-19 therapies that we use in these advanced patients, patients with ARDS, are actually based on a lot of ARDS studies in the past. So the dexamethasone, people made the steroids that we use in advanced patients, uh, those will be used in patients uh, regardless um, of, of the, the, the mode of their ARDS. Here's another that, uh, text message. I know we just have a couple of minutes to go. Uh, does the effectiveness of the immune system decline as a person ages? It does. Um, so, and, and you'll be surprised to know that you're considered what we, the, we have the term called immunosenescence or when the, the immune system starts to not be quite as effective, um, uh, starts in the 40s. So that's pretty young. <laughs> um, oh, good and, grief. I know. We're all probably <laughs> immunosenescent on this We're all in our immunosenescence <laughs> phase. <laughs> exactly. And basically that description is just that the, 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 some aspects of the immune system function a little less robustly than in, in our young, young patients. And that may be one of the reasons that we're seeing that older patients are more vulnerable. We don't still completely understand why the people that are vulnerable are, but that might be one component. Um, so, and, and what is thought maybe that is happening is that actually we need a really robust, very early immune uh, response. So right when you're exposed to the virus and maybe people that have a little less uh, robust immune response, that virus is able to, to progress down into the lungs and cause the more severe syndromes that we see more commonly in our old patients or patients with other medical conditions. Well, I think we have I'm about a minute to go, doctors. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're in the we golden years of our immune system. <laughs> yep, our our immune system has wisdom from experience. That's, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to go with. We're going to go with that. Um, we just have about one minute left to go. Um, Dr. Frosch, are you enrolling people in your study? Uh, we are enrolling people in multiple studies. So um, for patients that are in the hospital, uh, they can, they can, we can get con- uh, convalescent plasma for those patients. That is really up to their clinician. 
So this is like what we call an expanded access therapy. And if their clinician thinks that they may benefit from them and the patient is interested in that therapy, we can certainly give that to our severe patients. We're also collecting um, blood from people who, are, who have had COVID in the past if they're interested in contributing to our understanding of these immune responses. And then we have some really exciting studies coming online with, through the NIH where instead of giving convalescent plasma where um, the, we give the whole blood or that liquid portion, they're producing products that are just those antibodies that we, we think that may help the patient. And we have to head more... out of here. We are completely out of time, but let's uh, invite our listeners to join in again next week for more Healthy Matters here on Newstalk 830 WCCO. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.